This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. It's Wednesday, January 25th, 2023. Welcome to Now with Dave Brown, coming to you on AMI-tv. I'm Dave Brown. Let's hit the horns and go. up on the show today, Dr. Craig Medeer reflects on the 165th anniversary of the Ameriport at the upcoming Canada Winter Games on Prince Edward Island. And community reporter Derek Lackey describes a free and virtual healthcare service for Manitobans. Lots coming your way over the course of the next two hours, including a reflection on some of the Oscar nominations. Canada, well represented in the entertainment industry. Well, let's begin with the top story of the day, and it's the economy. The Bank of Canada will make its interest rate decision this morning. The speculation is that the bank will raise interest rates yet again. The announcement is expected at about 10 a.m. Eastern time. I will give you the update when it happens. Following up on a story from yesterday in the world of international news and the war in Ukraine, Germany says it will provide Ukraine with Leopard 2 battle tanks. It will also approve requests by other countries to do the same. Germany will be providing 14 tanks from their own fleet. Canada has not committed on whether or not it will contribute any tanks. Some more speculation for you. It's expected that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau will announce a formal meeting with premiers to address health care concerns. Rob Westgate files this report. The news comes from two federal sources granted anonymity because they were not authorized to speak publicly on the matter. They say Trudeau will announce the meeting this morning as he and his cabinet enter the third and final day of their retreat in Hamilton, Ontario. The sources say the meeting is not intended to finalize a new pact, but rather to solidify the steps needed to reach such a deal. The provinces want Ottawa to increase its share of health care budgets to 35%, while the federal government has been saying that can't happen without the provinces showing how they will use the new funds to improve patient care. Rob Westgate, the Canadian Press. There are lots more threads to tug at from the cabinet retreat. Associate Finance Minister Randy Boissonneau reflected on the overall economic landscape. Boissonneau explained that the government has taken into account a wide range of economic projections. If you take a look at the downside case that we had in the fall economic statement and the upside case, the reality is still somewhere in between. And that's why we wanted to make sure that those brackets were there. And look, we're going to watch things very carefully and be very clear with Canadians in Budget 23. Boissonneau says the government does still have the capacity to invest in programs like health care, even if there is an economic downturn. It's our job to balance all those things and to make sure that we're clear with Canadians that there's fiscal capacity. And if that fiscal capacity is being constrained, as we may see from private sector economists, then it's up to us to make sure that the big ticket items that you mentioned that we do in a, in a responsible way. Boissonneau further discussed the fiscal balancing act the government is trying to achieve. We still have fiscal room to be able to do the things we need to do, but the fiscal room has tightened over the uh, war in Ukraine and the fact that we have made a very clear commitment to Ukraine, but also to Canadians as we get through inflation. Another discussion point from the cabinet retreat, the federal government says that significant progress has been made on passport application delays. Social Development Minister Karina Gould says it's a direct result of committing more resources. 
After dedicating resources to ensure these Canadians receive their passports, approximately 98% of the backlog of applications have been processed. The backlog is virtually eliminated. Minister Gold shared more data about the quantity of applications that have been processed. For example, we're on track to deliver uh, just over three, maybe three and a half million passports by the end of this fiscal year. Um, that's well over double uh, what we would have done in the previous year. And for the next couple of years, you know, we're looking at between three and five million passport applications um, for the next couple of years. Government is expecting another application surge this summer. And finally, following up on a story from yesterday that also influenced the Daily Poll, U.S. Senators grilled Ticketmaster over its meltdown during the sale of Taylor Swift concert tickets. Ed Donahue has a recap. The Ticketmaster site crashed in November, overwhelmed by buyers wanting tickets for Swift's stadium tour. We apologize to the fans. We apologize to Ms. Swift. We need to do better, and we will do better. Connecticut Democrat Richard Blumenthal says senators are worried about Ticketmaster's dominance. This whole concert ticket system is a mess. It's a monopolistic mess. Among the suggestions, making tickets non-transferable and requiring more transparency in ticket fees. Birchtold says Ticketmaster doesn't set ticket prices. Pricing and distribution strategies are determined by the artists and their teams. A competitor says the best way to restore competition is to break up Ticketmaster and Live Nation. Ed Donahue, Washington. That affected yesterday's daily poll, so let's get to the results of the daily poll, which you can find at Accessible Media on Twitter, at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook. You were asked yesterday, do you find it difficult to buy concert tickets? Tell us why or why not in the comments section. 67% of you agreed with me and said, yes, it is. 33% of you said, no, it's not. A very thoughtful response on Twitter from Mike Cantora at Accessible Media. I do find it difficult because I can never get an exact view of what the view from the seat would be. There's websites with this info, but not all seats are listed, obviously. So I just take a chance, hoping it's a good seat. Thank you, Mike, for chiming in there at Accessible Media. Oh, excuse me, Mike, I got that wrong. It's Miss Cantora, Miss Cantora, Miss Cantora tweeted that in. Sorry, Miss Cantora, didn't mean to uh, misgender you because I've got a mic on the brain today. That's because Mike Ross will be chiming in on today's Daily Poll, which you can find at Accessible Media on Twitter, at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook. It's about the passport delay story, or at least the somewhat encouraging news that the government is reporting in regards to passport delays. But here's the question for you. Will delays or backlogs for government services impact whether you seek them out? Yes or no? Yes, I know. I'm forcing you into a binary here. I'm sure what the type of service is depends on what you need. There are some that are much more pressing and urgent than others. But when you are discouraged by the possible wait time of bureaucracy, it may slow you down and make you a little bit more prone to procrastination. Certainly, that's the case for me. I mentioned that Mike Ross is filling in for Alex Smythe today. Mike is one of the readers on the Globe and Mail today. Mike, there was a story on the Globe and Mail today that talked about this story. Not so much this question, but certainly this story. Do uh, delays or backlogs cause you to uh, maybe be a little bit extra procrastinate when it comes to seeking them out? Oh, there we Sorry, go. Dave. There's Mike. There's Mike. We got Mike. 
been out of this mix for too long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, if anything, Dave, um, it's going to make me less likely to procrastinate. I want to get out ahead of the curve, especially with something like the the passport uh, fiasco that we've seen for the last year. Um, you know, I would have I would have jumped right in way back when, knowing full well, even if I had a year before my passport mm-hmm. uh, would have expired, I would have wanted to be at the at the front of the line. I hate you know me. I hate crowds. I hate being sort of you know sardined into anything. So yeah, I don't want to be sardine sardined into a long lineup for services either. I'd get out ahead of the curve. You know what would get me though, Mike? Let's say for example, in my case, my passport expires in December of 2024. So let's say I would start that process in January of 2024. The problem is if I get to that passport office on the morning in January, and I see that there is a lineup out the door, you know what I'll say? I'll say, Dave, you know what? Let's try this again tomorrow and get there a little bit earlier. So certainly I would still feel that urgency to get it done, but it makes it a little easier to kick the can down the road. Yeah, I'm sure it would. I mean, I sort of encountered that a little bit last week. I needed to go to a, a, a health clinic. I got there, the lineup was out the door. Mm-hmm. And so I turned around and I came home and made other arrangements. But, uh, you know, with, with government services, I think, you know, at least you would want to just kick that can down by one day. You're not going to sit there and say, ah, forget it. You know, I've got till December. <laughs> yeah. I'll come back in June. No, you you might kick it down by, you know, 24 hours or so, but you're still going to want to get that uh, service, get that taken care of. Because who knows what kind of backlogs and and, and road jams you might run into down the road. You're like with, with government services, you just never know. Yeah. So, yeah, you might kick it down the road for 24 hours, but you're not doing it for six months. I'd even apply this to the private sector a little bit as well. I have now learned the lesson that if I need to do any banking business, that occurs in December or March. January and February, I am not dealing with wait times with bank call centers unless I absolutely have to because it's RRSP season and the waits are two hours, two and a half hours, three hours to talk to somebody. And then if you call them on March the 2nd, 10 minutes later, somebody's picking up the phone. So I will I will actually create strategies in my life to avoid these problems. Yeah, I, I think, you know, knowledge of what the situation you're facing is is great. Go into it with a lot of as much information as you can, for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a good strategy there with the banking. We're dealing with that right now where our mortgage uh, is maturing next month. So we're right in the midst oh, gosh. of, of re, you know, reapplying. And yeah, that's a lot of hoops, a lot of wait times, a lot of lineups. It's, <laughs> it's not been a lot of fun. A, a lot of a lot of automated messages telling you how important your call is to them as you've been waiting for two hours. Yeah, which... and, 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 and interesting, Dave, that, uh, you know, it seems like a lot of these companies that I've been dealing with lately are on like year three, four or five of having uh, a, an extraordinary call volume. Um, you know, that, that's amazing. It's lasted this long. I, I, I just don't understand it. Yeah, totally staggering. Mike, on a much smaller scale, I want to paint a scenario for you and you tell me how you would react to this. You're walking down Elgin Street in Ottawa, the fine bustling street of Elgin, and you're walking by two taco shops that are simultaneously both at the south end, one of which always has a perpetually long lineup and one that uh, rarely has a lineup. Now, one with the lineup is typically a smidge better than the other one, but are you going to wait in that line for the good stuff or are you going to say, I can sit down at a table right now? Wow. 
Well, if it's if it's Monday, Wednesday, or Friday, Dave, and I tend to be a little bit hungrier, I might skip ahead to the one with no lineup. I think I think it really does depend on just how hungry I am. But I like quality when it comes to things like that, right? Like if you've got a choice between, you know, your favorite burger joint and, you know, a, a, a bargain burger place, <laughs> eh, I might wait in line just a little bit longer to make sure I'm getting the quality, especially given the prices you're going to be paying That's for true. a lot of that That's food true. anyway. <laughs> right? I'm not paying big money for, for slop. So yeah. yeah, I might I might take the longer line. I, I just have to say that the procrastination is my natural state. People are well aware of that. I'm kind of like Hamlet. I will procrastinate and procrastinate and procrastinate. Uh, I will feel guilty about said procrastination, but I do procrastinate and I don't like lines. So I make choices to wait in my personal life, but then uh, when I'm out there in the rest of the world, lineups do not work for me. Mike, thank you for your perspective on this question and a few other scenarios that I painted along the way. At Accessible Media is where you find the poll on Twitter. At Accessible Media Inc. is where you find the poll on Facebook. And of course, you can also write in with your thoughts on this question, feedback at ami.ca, feedback at ami.ca. Certainly, if you are a member of the disability community, you know how important government services are. And oftentimes, you do not have the luxury of procrastinating or waiting to get a hold of somebody. And of course, you can also reach out to us via phone, one 866 509 1-866-509-4545. The reminder, like I always tell you, sometimes if you just call in and leave a voicemail and don't give the folks in marketing um, a little bit of context about what you are calling about, then they don't know to send it towards us. So yeah, just make sure that you give them a little bit of context. Hi, I'm so-and-so, I'm calling about Dave Brown's question. Or in your email subject line, this is for now with Dave Brown. Just to make sure they're a little bit more aware of what they're sending over so there's less bureaucratic backlog so we don't deal with our own delays and backlogs sharing your takes. Let's go back to Mike Ross. He's got the national weather updates. Beginning St. John's, Newfoundland, a mix of sun and cloud today with a temperature steady near zero. In Halifax, clouds with a high of zero. The wind chill will be minus nine this morning. Montreal will see increasing cloudiness and snow beginning late this afternoon. The high is minus 8, the wind chill minus 20. Ottawa mainly cloudy with snow this afternoon. The high minus 8, the wind chill this morning minus 18. That'll go up to minus 13 this afternoon. In Toronto, cloudy and snow at times heavy beginning near noon. Expecting about 10 centimeters there. Your temperature steady near zero. In Thunder Bay, Ontario, flurries 2 to 4 centimeters in total. Your high minus 6, your wind chill minus 15. Winnipeg sees a mix of sun and clouds with a high of minus 15. The wind chill minus 32 this morning, minus 19 this afternoon. There is a risk of frostbite. In Saskatoon, it'll be mainly cloudy with a high of minus 4. Excuse me. The wind chill will be near minus 12. In Calgary, it'll be mainly cloudy with a high of plus three. Edmonton, cloudy today with a high of six degrees. The wind chill, minus eight this morning. To Yellowknife, clouds with a high of minus 17. 
The wind chill very much a factor today. Minus 31 this morning, minus 24 this afternoon. That also comes with risk of a frost of, of frostbite. In Vancouver, it's a mix of sun and clouds with a high of 7 degrees. And in Victoria, some rain, then clearing skies, and your high is 8 degrees. And that was your AMI National Weather Report from Environment Canada. Thank you very much, Mike. Coming up after the break, the 2023 Oscar nominations are out. Andrika Delanerol, our senior show producer, and Mike Ross will help me reflect on a couple of the nominations, what jumps off the page to us. This is now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. It's officially Oscar season. The Academy Award nominations dropped yesterday. Here to reflect on a couple of the nominees are Mike Ross. You heard from him in the first segment of the show and our senior show producer, Andrika Delanerol. So, Mike, we've already said good morning to you, but hello to Andrika. Hello, Dave and Mike. All right, let's jump right into this and start with a few of the major nominations, beginning with Best Picture. And what I'll do is I'll read down the list, and in real time, I'll tell you if I've seen it or I haven't seen it. I want you guys to do the same in your head, and we'll do some quantitative analysis on the back end of this. So, Best Picture nominations, All Quiet on the Western Front, I have not seen it. Avatar, The Way to Water, I have not seen it. The Banshees of Inishnurin, yes, I have seen it. I'm so hip and with it. Elvis, <laughs> no, I have not seen it. Everything Everywhere All at Once, saw it, loved it. The Fablemans, no. Tar, no. Top Gun Maverick, yes, because I'm, you know, a cowboy. Triangle of Sadness and Women Talking, that's a no and a no. So I'm at three of that list. Mike, what about you quantitatively? Uh, two, Elvis and Top Gun, though there are two on that list that I plan on seeing very soon. Uh, one, because it's Steven Spielberg and the fa- uh, the Fablemans. Mm-hmm. And I just heard him on the Smartless podcast, and I'm quite intrigued by the movie. Uh, the other one um, is the uh, Sarah Pauly film. Uh, women talking women women talking um that's kind of a personal thing because there's a young actress in that movie that i actually worked with uh on uh, on a web series oh, cool. a couple of summers ago cool. and at the time she had started working on uh, this film and was telling me you know all about working with Francis McDormand and uh, uh, Claire Foy, and so I'm I'm really excited to see this uh, this kid who at the time I I worked with her I think she was like five or six years old, um, and and seeing her on the big screen so I'm pretty excited about that. Mike, what did you think of Elvis? I loved it. I mean, I think it's it's interesting when someone can take s- subject matter like uh, such a uh, an iconic person in Elvis and kind of give us a, a new take a different take an angle that that maybe we haven't really seen anyone explore before we've all heard stories about uh, colonel uh, parker and and 
sort of the, 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 the relationship he had with Elvis, that maybe he wasn't the nicest guy, but I can't recall anyone really delving into it. I haven't, I haven't seen anything on it. I haven't seen any documentaries on it or, mm-hmm. or anything like that. So I, you know, I thought that was kind of an interesting angle. And I mean, honestly, anything Tom Hanks does, I'm usually kind of interested in and want to take a peek at. So that, that instantly, you know, brought me to the movie theater. Andrika, it's been a minute since I actually did the rundown of the list, but I hope you kept your number top of mind. <laughs> of these movies, how many have you seen? Okay, well, uh, I've seen 40% of them, so 4 out of 10. I've heard of 60% of them, and then the other ones, I'm just like, I've never heard of these movies <laughs> until I saw the list. Really? Uh, yeah, and, I'm and, shocked. <laughs> any, anything on the list that jumps out to you? Here's the thing. From what I've seen... Uh, and on this list, I don't think anything is probably worthy of a best picture. Then again, I haven't seen a, a, a bunch of them. So I don't know. Like I watched Elvis. I really enjoyed it. It was so much fun. My foot was tapping the entire time in the movie theater. Um, it like for me, I've I've seen a bunch of Elvis documentaries and even like uh, TV movies and all that sort of stuff. I kind of knew most of the aspects of his life but i think the the thing that i got away uh that took away from this movie is it was you got to see kind of like the struggles of him and um struggles that are very related uh, relatable to like other artists like britney spears like these are people who Mm -hmm. they kept making work over and over and over again when really they needed to stop and take a rest and so I felt like there's a really human side for for him. So as a movie, it was interesting. I wasn't big on the style. I don't know if it's worthy of a best picture, but you know, I think for other categories, it's definitely going to uh, dominate. But Banshees of Inisherin, I absolutely love that movie. Again, one of those movies I don't think it deserves best picture um, because it, I think it hits a lot of categories. But it's it's just one of those movies I think. Am I going to watch this five years from now, ten years from now? And I don't think any of these movies I would. Yeah, I, I would never so, watch The Banshees of Inishnerin ever again. I really didn't like it. But now <laughs> it seems like uh, the Academy as well as the Hollywood Foreign Press have said to me, no, Dave, we gave this the Golden Globe, and now it's up for Best Picture and a bunch <laughs> of Best Actor nominations and Supporting Actor and Actress nominations. So maybe I'm the one who's wrong. But Martin McDonough typically is a pretty polarizing director, so it doesn't surprise mm-hmm. me that um, it doesn't surprise me necessarily that he he, that he uh, has gotten this recognition for making what was a very character-driven story and was a very emotional story. And it was also like some real like sadness. So <laughs> people love themselves a little bit mm-hmm. of sadness. Andrika, did you ever end up seeing Everything Everywhere all at once? I did. I watched it in theaters. Uh, I was not a fan of it. I know a lot of people loved it. Uh, it was okay. I thought it was too long. I was like, there's literally 30 minutes that could have been trimmed from this movie. Uh, but again, it's one of those movies I think... A lot of the performances stood out, and we'll probably get to it soon. But uh, as a movie, not not a big fan. It wasn't bad. It was just, again, not my style. Okay, um, I, but I do appreciate it for what it was. Yeah, I loved it. I thought that's. I think that's the kind of movie that should win a Best Picture when you blend really human storytelling alongside action and a very very creative style of shooting. I think that's what a Hollywood movie should be, where you're combining a lot of different things that are quite high level 
I, I think that's the movie that should definitely get recognized from what I've seen on this list. Again, I haven't seen them all. Uh, I will probably make the effort to see a couple of these before it's all said and done, all quiet on the Western Front. Definitely Elvis, uh, maybe the Fablemans, I don't know. Uh, women talking, I'd like, to, I'd like to see as well for a little bit of uh, supporting Canadian love. Can I, can I ask one question of the both of you because you've seen uh, more of these than I have? Um, is that not maybe a reflection on the fact that there's just too many finalists like on the list. I'm not mm. saying, you know, don't consider as many films as you can, mm. but it just feels to me like, you know, 20 years ago, you would have five finalists mm -hmm. that would be introduced and and it really felt like it was the best of the best um suddenly you've got 10 finalists i don't want to be a presenter at the oscars you're going to be up there for half an hour introducing <laughs> these categories so uh, I, i'm just curious I about know. that because i i mean i hear andrika saying well this one you know good movie but i don't know if it's the you know a best picture movie and when you think back to you know trivia questions that you'll hear about movies from 30, 40 years ago and saying, mm -hmm. you know, what were the best picture uh, nominees for, you know, such and such a year, you can usually go back there and and if you're a movie buff, you know those five films. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I don't know if you're gonna remember 10 films 20 years from now. So so much of this, the expansion happened because of the exclusion of The Dark Knight at the, uh, was it the 2007 Oscars where, or 2008 where it was excluded from the best pictures Eight. list and people felt as though, oh, that was a movie that should have been recognized. And when you look at this list, specifically the Avatar movie, the Elvis movie, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Top Gun. Top Gun. These are all mm -hmm. four movies that absolutely decimated the box office this year mm. uh, in their in their own ways. So I wonder if maybe this is the way of saying we are trying to recognize a lot of pop movies and popcorn movies more specifically, rather than simply saying Tar or Women Talking mm. or Banshees of Inishnirin that are very much like film buff movies. Andrika, what's your thought? You know, it's uh, one of the things I think of, yeah, 10 movies is way too much. And it's, it's I think it's completely unfair, actually. Um, you have movies of literally all kinds of genres competing against each other. Um, I mean, it's going to come down to what the jury and like their personal interests. If you're an action buff, you're going to vote for Top Gun. If you're more into dramatic films, which the Oscars tends to favor dramatic films, let's face it, in their history, right? So those movies might have a better lead. Um, to see a movie like Everything Everywhere All at Once, to if they were to win, that, that would make, be a massive deal for the yeah. Oscars because yeah. it's just so out of the ordinary. And I, you know, you referenced Golden Globes earlier. I know everyone makes fun of like their categories and how they don't make sense. And they really don't because they'll put like comedy and musicals together. But at least they're honoring, like they're giving those movies a chance. There might not be a lot of comedies to uh, occupy categories. So they put them alongside musicals and at least a comedy or musical film will have a chance. Will so Elvis I, have a I chance? I don't know, right? So uh, it's I, I would almost change the Oscars to have categories because to yeah. put ten movies together is so unfair. Go ahead, so Mike. unfair. I think I think we need to make it like the the uh, Westminster Kennel Club, where you have all the different categories and then best in show. That that's what it that's what it can you yeah. could do that. You yeah. could have an action movie category, comedy, drama, uh, you know, wh whatever number of categories you want, and then best picture is the best picture 
what is the best of all of these that have been you know recognized mm. in their own categories elevate that to best picture i oh. think that makes the best picture you know oscar even that much better it really truly is the best in show oh i love that sort of an aggregation of saying how many awards did you win collectively across the board and if you won three or two or three acting awards and well, now you you're making director. it a popularity contest dave <laughs> yeah, well, and that's that's not what i'm talking about okay, okay. I, I just think i just think that i don't want a, the, the best picture oscar or even a nomination for best picture to be uh, you know predicated on how many tickets you sold because i don't think that you know that's the oh, spirit oh, that's, of what that's, the oscar that, is for that's not what i'm pitching mike mm -hmm. i'm pitching no 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 i understand but what i'm saying you you'd mentioned earlier how there are films that are on this list that may be there simply because they are as you said the popcorn films they are the ones who led the box office they're super popular and we want to recognize those films and the film goers who go there because I think to a certain degree there are people who are fans of those movies who have said in the past hey wait a minute when I watch the Oscars how come I'm and, and the films I really enjoy aren't recognized I think that was a great movie mm. okay fine and that's where I see these categories coming in and and, and sort of you know, acknowledging those fans and those movies. But at, at the end of the day, the spirit, I think, of, of best picture really goes to what is, you know, artistic storytelling, you know, the visuals, the sound. Like, there are so many components that go into what makes it the best picture. And, uh, and I just think that when you've got 10 on a list like that, it's just yeah. way too much. So yeah. I say we go with the uh, Westminster uh, Kennel Club uh, <laughs> formula and uh, go with the uh, categories and then best in show. I love that. That's some prime Dave Brown consulting stuff right there. Glad to know you still have your honorary VP role in the uh, Dave Brown <laughs> consulting business. Uh, unsurprisingly, we're already tight for time. That's how the show goes sometimes. Uh, Andrika, you said you had a thought about some of the performances here, though, about some of the actors who've been nominated. So instead of me running down 20 names here, just tell me what you're thinking about in regards to these uh, uh, performance uh, nominations. Listen, Elvis may not win Best Picture, but Austin Butler may win as his role in Elvis because he's still playing the role of Elvis every single day. The guy has not lost the voice, so I don't know. He might get recognized. I thought Colin Farrell did an excellent job. It was very different from like his normal performances. He was very um, just he was just such a lovable character. So I think there it, it might be it's going to come down to one of those two. Um, in terms of uh, uh, other, you know, best animated film. You were referencing how like there's some Canadian love this year. Um, Pixar's Turning Red was. Based in Toronto I'm I'm rooting for that just because I don't know you, you know we were talking yesterday on the show about representing Canadian cities on on film and this is a movie that actually like included Toronto in their movie in the storyline and I'm just rooting for that purely for the fact that there's a Canadian connection but yeah. uh, we'll we'll see we'll see yeah I'm, I'm glad you brought it there because that that was hoping where I could actually conclude the conversation in regards to some of that Canadian representation there's a short animated film about the Halifax uh, explosion that's been nominated turning red in terms of the feature animated film got nominated which so much showcases uh, Toronto by Domishi and of course uh, we also mentioned Sarah Polly's when talking uh, being nominated for best picture as well as best adapted screenplay which is really really cool to see mike you have really gotten entrenched here deeply in the canadian acting scene when you see some of that canadian love coming across the board whether it be in the animated world or for the work that sarah Pauly's doing or other works uh, that are being nominated how does that make you feel as someone who's uh, become very embedded in the industry 
I'm super proud because it, it just it feels like we're no longer really being talked about as oh that Canadian film or that Canadian director or that Canadian actor. They're just spoken about as actors, directors, successful uh, in their craft and, and and being recognized on the world stage. So uh, just like everything else, I mean, we for, for generations, we've always sort of uh, worn our little Canadian flag as a, as, a, as a badge of honor, obviously, and we should. But it also felt like sometimes when it came to major awards shows and things like that, you know, we we felt you know kind of obligated to say, oh wow, you know that person's Canadian, and oh did you know this big American film? Yeah, but the producer was Canadian. We don't have to do that anymore because the the, the work of Canadian artists and and uh, and directors, producers, writers is being recognized left, right, and center. I think it's it's just absolutely amazing how amplified uh, the work of Canadians has become over the last uh, ten to fifteen years, especially in big film like this. So this is a, this is a big day, Mike. That is so well put, and I think that's the perfect note to leave this conversation. Mike, thank for your thank you for your thoughts on this. My pleasure. And Andrew Delanerol, thank you for stopping by and sharing a couple of your film thoughts this morning, too. Thanks for having me. That's Mike Ross co-hosting with me today and a couple more times over the next few days, as well as Andrika Delanerol, the senior show producer. Coming up next, Jenny Bovard will continue this content conversation with her top five recommendations on must-watch and must-listen-to programs for you to take in this month. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Tis the season to consume content. Maybe it's the weather. Maybe it's that there's less football on TV. Only three games left in the NFL season. That's got to be it. No football, which means I'm much less busy. Jenny Bovard has some recommendations on content for you to consume. Hey, good morning, Jenny. Good morning, Dave. For me, it's not the football. It's definitely more time inside. <laughs> that makes me make a, a to-watch list. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. I, it's got to be the weather when it's uh, snowstorms and minus 35 with wind chill in parts of the country. Is that what got you strictly thinking about good content to consume? Honestly, no. Unfortunately, is because I was sick a couple of weeks ago and I was in bed in quarantine and obviously looking for something good to watch. So that's really what kicked it off. I kind of had some time to take some things in that I had been meaning to watch for a long time. Nice. There you go. The checklist can start getting uh, whittled down the watch list and listen list as well. So, Jenny, let's get to uh, let's go one at a time here, beginning with Amazon's A League of Their Own. What stands out about this baseball reboot? What I love about this is it's a limited series. So, you know, that the story is going to be nice and compact and you're not going to have to make a huge commitment to keep watching season after season. But this is a fantastic series about the World War II era All American professional women's baseball league while the guys were away at, uh, at war. And it, you may have heard of a little movie called A League of the Rome, but mm -hmm. the show is 
Dave, it's so much more. And it's about so much more than baseball. It's about sportsmanship and gender and sexuality. And it is so funny. And I credit that to Abby Jacobson. So she co-created and stars as Carson Shaw in A League of Their Own on Amazon Prime. I know her and love her from Broad City, way back in the day, Disenchantment, which is a really fun cartoon on Netflix. And it turns out there might be a little bit of crying in baseball because like, <laughs> I'm not a crier, but this one got me, Dave. I don't know it's because I was sick, but it got the tears rolling, the character development, performances, just everything so on point. Okay, all right. I'm going to add that one to my list. I loved the movie. I've been procrastinating on hitting play on uh, this on this series. I now uh, feel the temptation to log into my Prime account and hit play on that one. Jenny, you are the host of a podcast. I'm the host of a TV show that eventually becomes a podcast. So you and I both love a good podcast. Well, you have some suggestions, starting with Even the Rich. What makes that pod so appealing? I think for me, especially audio podcasts, I love them for multitasking. They let me do other things while I'm taking in some good content. And I don't normally care to indulge at all in the life and times of celebrities, but I normally, like, I just couldn't care less. Uh, but this is a big exception for me. Even The Rich is a podcast from the Wondery Network. I like pretty much everything on the Wondery Network, but it goes <laughs> so much further beyond like those trashy headlines and 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 just the you know the clickbait type stuff that we're used to and it what i love about it it really allows me to escape the you know monotony that is the non-celebrity life that i live um and so you get to live a little bit vicariously and gain sort of a new respect for the the stories of these people who we look at in um you know, as celebrities. And some of my favorites are Saint Dolly about the fascinating life of the lovely and tenacious Dolly Parton. Oh, my favorite. Back back to Benifer. Okay, hear me out. It's an in-depth look at the love story that is Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez. I normally couldn't care less, but it delves into their careers. It's wonderful. There are so many seasons to choose from, um, different lengths too. So if you've only won a couple of episodes, you've got some options there too. It's available wherever you find any podcast, all the major platforms. It almost makes me think I should sing Good Charlotte's Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, but I'll control myself. I'll control myself. Oh, yeah. Nobody yeah. wants to hear any emo pop punk this morning on Now with Dave Brown. So I just move on to YouTube. Maybe another day. Maybe another day or after the show. <laughs> or you. So let's move to YouTube, a place with endless entertainment options, like thousands and millions of uploads a day of stuff for you to take in. How does Planes, Trains, and Canes connect with an audience? This is a really fun YouTube channel. I actually discovered it through my day job working with um, students who are blind or visually impaired. Um, and this is a YouTube channel hosted by an accomplished bioengineering scientist, but that's not the focus of planes, trains, and canes. The host, Dr. Uh, Mona Mincara. So she's blind and on a mission to travel the world, experience as much and as many cultures as possible. And she shares her stories along the way. She's been to Tokyo, Istanbul, London. I could name all of them, but it would take a while. And what Mona does, and this is a reminder that I need a lot of the time as well when I'm thinking about, hmm, what am I gonna do with my time off and my vacation? She really demonstrates that you can travel the world 
and have an adventure using public and different modes of transportation, mm. even if they don't let us drive. So something I need to be reminded of often, and there are different kinds of barriers and challenges that she encounters along the way, but she's got such a great sense of humor and patience when having some difficult conversations. Season two is about to drop and it just, it makes you want to get out and travel. So if you're up for that, Planes, Trains, and Canes, just search it up on YouTube. Oh, sounds like definitely another one to add to my algorithm. Uh, Jenny, one of my favorite AMI shows, and I've said this publicly many, many, many times, is Double Tap. Sean Priest and Stephen Scott and Marco Flalo, they get on the air and they are so funny, but also really informed on technology. And for a Luddite like me, that is super useful. Why do you like Double Tap? Well, this is where I learn about anything new with tech. I feel like I live under a rock. I don't know how people learn about technology. It's just so hard to keep up, but this is how I keep up with Double Tap. Um, and they make it not only bites, not bite size, but they make it easy to digest yes, and they make yes. it applicable to like my life. They often get me with the clips on social media. I'll be on Facebook and I'll see a clip and I'm like, oh yeah, I need to go and watch that episode. One recently for me was like how to take the perfect selfie with low vision <laughs> or when you're blind. And I was like, damn, there's so much I didn't know. And to learn about the other, uh, you know, what non-Apple uh, devices can do because I'm an Apple girl and and it's good to know what else is out there so I can make an informed decision. I also love the podcast. Um, lots of awesome content there and that's available obviously on all major platforms too but so much good info like all-terrain canes and self-driving car services. Just you wouldn't be able to digest it all. So they do such a good job at doing that for us. Yeah, I'm so grateful that I get to talk to Mark, Stephen, and Sean usually once a week and hear them every day piped, piped into my office from the AMI audio speakers in the audio control room. It is delightful. They are delightful. It's one of the best shows we do. It's probably even better than the show. <laughs> oh, I know, I know, I know. Uh, Jenny, one more podcast to highlight is Against the Odds. What kind of stories are they telling? Well, this is another one from Wondery, available on all major platforms. I'm a glutton for the immersive storytelling. And this is like, imagine a radio drama a radio play that started working out and taking supplements. This is, this is jacked up storytelling in a really good way. The podcast sort of dramatizes those fascinating stories that made headlines throughout history. Some of my favorites, again, so many seasons, you're not going to run out of content anytime soon. John McCain's journey as a prisoner of war, like that man should not even be alive. And mm -hmm. the USS Indianapolis, that disaster at sea, oh the Sharks, Dave, I'm more afraid of sharks now than ever. It's so immersive. And the Donner Party is another one, that incredible journey of survival. And they tell these stories with like such action and emotion that you feel that you're there. And then you leave thinking, what am I complaining about in my life when these people have overcome these incredible things? So mm -hmm. it is... Um, it is just so entertaining and so immersive. You feel like you're there. Jenny, you should be more afraid of star sharks. More great whites are migrating <laughs> towards Nova Scotia and you live there in the Halifax area. So that's a reasonable concern to have. It's warming up, yeah. It's warming up. Hey, Jenny, so glad to hear that you're feeling better. All the best to you and the fam and the doggo. And uh, we're actually talking to you again next week. So don't get too cozy being away from us. 
we'll talk to you soon. And I'm going to go watch some of those Oscar Oscar finalists. I, uh, I really enjoyed that chat. Oh, thanks. We appreciate it. That's Jenny Bovard, the host of the Low Vision Moments podcast. Coming up next, community reporter Derek Lackey will describe a free and virtual healthcare service for Manitobans. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Manitobans in need of immediate access to a doctor now have an option for a virtual health care service. Here to tell you about it is community reporter Derek Lackey in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Hey, good morning, Derek. How are you? Not bad. How are you doing, Dave? I'm doing well. So, Derek, you came across this service while experiencing some difficulty in finding a doctor for your son. What led you to this service? You know, um, the thought... You know, my wife was at work and I was sitting there with a very uh, sick little Nino here at home and uh, we're pretty sure it was RSV and and it was just, he was getting that wet cough and we were starting to be a little worried and, and Amanda was at work and we were sitting there going, you know, like, I need to get him just to see a doctor and, y- you know, you start thinking, oh my God, the only thing going to be available is going to be uh, a walk-in and then how long are you going to be sitting there and then you're amongst all these other sick people and then you're thinking how do I keep a four-year-old occupied in a waiting room for mm. like an hour or anywhere possibly longer and it was just you, you know it starts to create a bit of anxiety because you're trying to figure out like you're worried about your your child and then you're worried about you know sitting around and, and how you're going to manage and and especially for me with my wife being at work it was okay you know He's never ridden on a transit, and and I haven't ridden on one for quite a while, and they, they seem to be just going right downhill with uh, the the passengers and the problems on these on these rides. So it was like, is this going to be safe for him? What am I going to do? And uh, luckily enough, talking with my sister in law, um, her and her friends actually came across this and have been using it for for just a little while and and she she had just thought of you know like this might be perfect for for someone like myself where you know accessibility and getting out and getting around may not be as easy as someone with a car right mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. uh she sent me a link to this uh to this webpage so I went in to check it out and it was absolutely phenomenal how easy everything was and and I tell you Dave like I cannot stress how uh, you know, relieving it is to be able to go on there, uh, you know, fill out some information to get it all ready, hit a button. And then by the time I'm walking down a hallway, bam, I've got a doctor on my screen ready wow. to talk to me. Somebody's reviewed my chart and, and they're ready to go. And and you know what, Dave, it's actually funny because uh, Amanda is home because Nino is sick yet again. And uh, he's had a pretty bad cold here the last few days and his eyes have been starting to to goop up and we don't know if it's, you know, conjunctivitis or if it's part of the virus. And even with Amanda home, um, you know, thinking about, oh, try to get a pediatrician, she's not available, walk-in clinic. Uh, we pull it up with Amanda home and by the time Amanda went in and just updated a couple pieces of information and sent in a couple of photos, Less than five minutes, bam, we got another doctor. We're sitting on the couch. She's checking out Nino's eyes, having a look around. Mm. And suddenly, you know, we're all done. We find out what's going on. 
We've got a prescription sent into a pharmacy in our local area because our pharmacy that we use is, is not open on Sundays. And, you know, we didn't even leave the house. All, all Amanda had to do after was throw on some uh, some clothes and run over to the corner store or, or run it over the, the local store where our pharmacy order would be and, and pick it up. And it was just phenomenal how relieving it was yeah. to not try and get him dressed, get him out with a fever and a cold, sit in a waiting room and just, it was absolutely amazing, Dave. And, and I think, you know, whether you're a family with young children and this is the situation we're running into having trouble waiting for, you know, doctors to be available or having to look at a walk-in as your only option, whether it's a child or whether it's an adult, this is, this is the way things have got to go. And, and it was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, convenience in the screening process and getting people fast, fast with doctors faster is a big, big thing. Derek, what was the process like in terms of what information you had to share, what kind of application you had to go through? What was that process like for you? You know, my my sister-in-law sent me the link, so I clicked on it and it brought me directly to the webpage called qdoc.ca. So it's like the letter Q for queen, doc as in doctor.ca. And I went on there and there's all kinds of testimonials from people. And it was said, okay, talk to a doctor. So I hit that button right in the middle of the screen. It brought up the option to create an account. So I did that real quick, just an email address and a, and a password. So I have my own account. And then after that, it was register patients. So I could register myself, my wife, my son, anybody I, I wanted to. And I went on there and it was, you know, first and last name, date of birth, uh, address, uh, a phone number, if it's a child under a certain age that are best to be reached at. You can put in your family doctor's name if you have one, uh, a pharmacy that you use, any kind of past medical history. And, you know, they they needed my um, Manitoba health card number, which was the only difficult thing for me. But my first thought was, you know what, I have some people that are available. My parents are retired where I could do a, a FaceTime video chat, get my mother to read the card, uh, write it down, and then turn around and send it back to me in a text message so mm -hmm. I could have the registration mm -hmm. number as well as the nine-digit health number. So I could fill in that information, created the account, got out of there, saved all my information. I had a nice little account at the bottom saying account for NL, so Nino Lackey. I went back, hit the talk to a doctor, and I wasn't sure what it was doing or how long it was going to take. And by the time I made it a couple doors down my hallway, it said a doctor's reviewing your chart. And then by the time I got in the living room to sit down beside Nino, who was playing on a tablet when I used it, bam, we had a doctor on wow. screen. She said who, who she was, what her name was, and it was less than three minutes. And I was already talking to a doctor. I had the peace of mind. You know, when when he had RSV, she was watching him breathe, you know, observing, you know, his his demeanor and what was going on, asking fever, asking me questions at the same time. She helped me. She helped me align all of the uh, the, um, the camera. So that way she had a good look at him. Um, she could really, you know, see what uh, what was going on and how he looked. And, uh, you know, it was it was absolutely phenomenal. And, you know, it was it was just as fast when we used it just the other day for when Amanda was home, because we weren't sure if he was starting pink eye or if it was just part of the virus. And she had a good look, explained what the possibilities were, what it could be. 
best way to handle it, what to do, sent a prescription over to our local superstore because our pharmacy is closed on Sundays. And, you know, we thanked her and everything. And at the end of the whole message, at the end of the video chat, it asks you if you want a transcription or a, or, or a summary of your visit sent to your local doctor. So that way they can put oh, it wow. on your file. And wow. it was, it's amazing. QDoc.ca, QDoc.ca. The service is also available in Nunavut and Northwestern Ontario. So Manitoba, Nunavut and Northwestern Ontario, QDoc.ca for more information. Uh, Derek, thank you for, for sharing that update. I'm sorry to hear that Nino is a little under the weather again, but good to know you guys are in good hands on that front. Derek, we've only got about a minute, uh, two minutes here, but you once again want to talk about the annual Festival festival de Voyageurs, which is coming to Winnipeg. I remember you were so excited about this one last year. Why so excited? Why is this festival so important to you and important to the city? You know what? Growing up, I went to a French immersion school. Uh, I did 13 years. I graduated with a French immersion diploma. It was a big part of my life growing up. And now it's something I, I want to share with my wife because she never did the the French classes. And it's something I want to share with Nino. And it was the environment, the festivities, um, the excitement of, of, of watching the reenactments, the historical information, uh, the neat little crafts and projects they have there for the kids enjoying some of the classic francophone foods like la trottier, la poutine, uh, split pea and ham soup, mm. as well as my favorite, le sirop d'érable, which, you know, I got Nino his last year and it did not last very long. He ended up having <laughs> mine as well, which I had no problem handing over because I've, I've had my share, but just the environment, the festivities, the rides uh, with the horses, the food, uh, the music, it was absolutely amazing to watch my little guy have no idea what the singers are saying because it's all in, in, in French and him just banging away his hips and enjoying himself, listening to some spoon spoon played music by some local artists and, and, and artisans bringing their food as well as their music and snow sculpturing to Manitoba. So it's just a great way to show them that, you know what, winter can be just as fun as summer. Let's get out there and let's have some fun. Yeah, you can't tell the history of Canada without talking about the influence of French culture. And it's so cool to see that being celebrated in Manitoba, as well as in Ontario, Quebec, across the board, New Brunswick. Very, very cool. Derek, thank you for making time for us today. I want to remind folks, February 17th to 26th, is where the, is when the festival is taking place. And you can find out more by visiting heho.ca, H-E-H-O dot C-A. Hey, Derek, thanks for this, man. We appreciate it. Thank you very much, Dave. Hey-ho. Hey-ho. That's Derek Lackey, community reporter in Winnipeg, Manitoba. If you do want to learn more about uh, the stories we just talked about, you can visit the blog, ami.ca slash now, ami.ca slash now. Coming up after the break, I've got the regional news update, and Brock Richardson stops by for what will be a very busy sports chat. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. 
Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.